want to talk to you tonight <clears throat> about assurance, guidance, and hope. And I'm going to use three different verses from the Bible, from the New Testament, and they all contain the words, we know, we know. The Bible is a positive book. And the first one, if you want to follow it, is in the first epistle of John, right at the end of the Bible. And this is what it says. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers or sisters, brothers and sisters. Um, we know that we've passed from death to life <clears throat> because we love the brethren. <clears throat> when I was growing up uh, in our little home in Blackburn in Lancashire, <clears throat> my mother uh, particularly used to say to me on a regular basis, make sure you're saved, David. <clears throat> Be sure you're in the kingdom of God, make sure you are saved. <clears throat> now, this caused me, I think it was, I think if you blame everything on your parents, you're okay, aren't you? <clears throat> They're easy target, particularly if they've now gone. <clears throat> but this caused me to question myself whether I was really in the kingdom of God or not, even though I had made a commitment to Christ as a small boy of four, I remember it still, uh, putting my hand up in a meeting and accepting Jesus. And then when I was 13, I thought, well, Lord, if I didn't really mean it then, I want to mean it now. But because my life was um, sheltered, I don't know, if you will, I, I mean, I lived in the, the, the era where, of, the, of the teddy boys, you know, long jackets, tight trousers and some of them had bike chains round their necks and we used to get these characters coming along giving their testimony of how they found Christ you know some of them were real colourful characters I remember a guy called Andy Barrett he was from Liverpool and he had love on one hand on his fingers L-O-V-E and hate on the other love and hate and he told these fantastic stories how he'd done this and done that and broken that and been in prison I thought oh I mean I hadn't even I haven't even coshed one old lady over the head never mind anything else and, and so I, I um, lacked assurance of my salvation when I was living what I thought was a a decent Christian life, I'd say, oh yes, I must be a genuine follower of Christ. If I was doing things that maybe Christians didn't ought to do, I think, well, how can you be saved if you're doing... So I went through a period of, am I in or am I out? And it was really, for me, it was really when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues that I got a deep assurance of salvation, that I was really uh, a... a, a, a born-again Christian that I was really in the family of God. <clears throat> so how do, we, 
How do we get an assurance? In fact, the New Testament encourages us to question. Paul said to the uh, Corinthians, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith or not. And uh, a more modern, oh, it's not, <laughs> I said it's Paul, it's not, it's Peter. A modern version of that text I've just quoted you says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are, that, that you really are among those who, those whom God has called and chosen. Eternal life is too good to miss. So the, the, the question here is, make sure you have eternal life. Be sure that you are saved, like my, my old mother used to say. So how can we be sure? And, and the three things, and when I come on to this text. First of all, there's the witness, what we call the witness of the word. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's clear, a clear verse that we can hold on to in times of doubt and despair, as it were. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there are many other verses that um, are deeply assuring of our salvation. So there's the witness of the, the word, the Bible. It's, it's in the word so you can stand on it and you can believe it, whether you feel it or you don't. You can stand on it and believe it. Secondly, there is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Romans 8 says. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The witness of the Holy Spirit within us tells us that we are born of God. And uh, as I said, for me, it was the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, that really assured me that I was uh, a, a, a true born-again follower of Christ. I believe I was way back when, but it was just the assurance, the, the, the witness of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> And thirdly, and finally, <clears throat> is on, in our text, the witness of a changed lifestyle. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. We love other Christians. We feel that we're in the family of believers. There's something about meeting together as believers that we like to be with those who love the Lord. We like to be with those who sing his praises and uh, listen to his word, obey his commands and follow Jesus. And you know, we have brothers and sisters all over the world. I vowed that I would never complain again about the loudness of our band, particularly on a Sunday morning. <laughs> 
<clears throat> when the, the, anyway, I will not get on that subject. I vowed I would never complain about our, the loudness of our band since I went to Honduras with Rachel and Hamish. You've never heard such pandemonium in your life. <laughs> Deafeningly loud. And people dancing about and girls dressed in nice long um, things and waving stuff and all. I thought, this is great. I'm, I've got impaired hearing now, but it's great. <laughs> we have brothers and sisters all over the world. <clears throat> and there is the likeness of Jesus in us, in, in, in other believers. Uh, my father had three brothers, um, and one of them, my, my uncle, my uncle Harold, he lived in America. He, he lived in um, Los Angeles, a uh, place called Santa Ana. And I, I had never seen, well, apparently I met him when I was a youngster and didn't remember, but he was coming over to see us when we lived in London. And uh, he, was, he was catching the train, and uh, coming to have some time with, with Jean and I. And I wondered, how would I recognize him? Well, the train pulled in. Hundreds and hundreds of people got off this train. I thought, how am I going to recognize Uncle Harold here? And then I saw a person just like my other uncle, my Uncle Tom. He was, there was the family likeness. He was very good looking. <clears throat> and <clears throat> there was the family likeness. I could see, and I knew from the hundreds and hundreds of people on that train, I could recognize him with the family likeness. And you know, you and I, it's nothing to do with our outward appearance, thankfully, but you and I have brothers and sisters all over the world. And we have brothers and sisters all over this town. Now, some of them might meet in a place that says Methodist. Some of them might meet in a place that says Baptist. Some of them might even meet in a place that says Anglican or Roman Catholic. We used to know some lovely Roman Catholic people. My mother wouldn't enjoy this, but <clears throat> they saw visions. They had prophetic words. They, looked, they didn't believe all the claptrap about, um, you know, purgatory and Mariolatry and all that. But they were believers. But we have brothers and sisters all over. And the Bible here says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers and sisters. You walk in. I remember a lady when we were in Macclesfield and I was very much younger then. And this lady was 64. I thought, oh, she's getting on. <laughs> Will you still love me? What did the Beatles sing? Will you still love me when I'm 64? <clears throat> this lady had been adopted and brought up as a spiritualist in a spiritist family. And went to seances and all that. Anyway, we, we were having some special services and praying for the sick and all. And... and uh, when she saw how we were praying for the sick people in church, she said, suddenly I realized, and she said to me, this is what I've been looking for all my life. 
Suddenly, she had found her family. Suddenly, she felt that she belonged to God's people. They were her people. She was born of God, gave her life to Christ, and became part of the believing group of people. We know, says John, we know that we've passed from death to life. How do we know that? Because we love the brothers and sisters. We recognize the family likeness. Now, secondly, my second, <clears throat> you know, we know, is found in Romans. <clears throat> and it's this. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. Now, what, 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 what do we mean by that? <clears throat> that every bad thing that happens to you. Now, supposing <clears throat> you, 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 you get up a ladder and uh, you're cleaning the upstairs windows. Not that I do it these days. <laughs> I've done in the past. But next door's dog is chasing next door's cat and knocks the ladder and you fall flat down and you're finished up in hospital and you're bound, you've got plaster everywhere and uh, your legs are in, and you're in a terrible state and then the pastor comes and visits you and he says to you while you're sprawled out on a hospital bed, well, all things work together for good to them that love God. Is that what it means? <laughs> Does it mean that every disaster that happens to you, God causes it? No, of course not. But God uses the situations in life. Our brother this morning, without realizing it, showed us a picture of what I was thought to say tonight. The old grannies that used to make those woolen rugs when people had woolen cardigans or woolen socks and they got a bit too old and she would, she would have a bit of this colour and a bit of that colour and a bit from here and a bit from there and underneath it looks a complete mess, an absolute disaster. But when you turn it over, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful pattern. And some of the things that happen to us in life they look a complete mess at the time, but God uses them to bring a beautiful pattern to your life if you're walking in the purposes of God. Now, in the Bible, which many of you will know, um, Joseph was the favored son of his father, Jacob, and uh, he dressed him in a, a coat of many colors, didn't he, as a sign of being special. But Joseph, he had dreams, and he dreamt of um, sheaves of corn bowing down to his sheaves, and then the sun and the, the sun and the moon and the stars all bowing down to his star, and his brothers envied him. So when their father asked Joseph to go and take some food to his brother, to his brothers who were looking after the sheep, when they saw him in the distance, they said that. Here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. But uh, Reuben it was. He said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him down a pit. 
hoping later he would extract him out of the pit. But in the meantime, some Ishmaelite travelers came down that were on their way to uh, Egypt. And so they sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. And he went, was, went into the slave market in Egypt. And he was bought by a man called Potiphar. And Potiphar, this wealthy Egyptian, eventually put Joseph in charge of everything he had. You know, he was such a great administrator and a very trustworthy servant. And he, 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 it seemed to be going okay from this disaster with being sold as a slave. Then Potiphar's wife fancied Joseph and she, she wanted him to sleep with her. And he kept saying, no, no, I, I, every, your, your master, my master, your husband, he trusts me, he trusts me. And I would not sin against God or uh, him or anything. <clears throat> but when she get on and on, each day she felt this rejection. And so he ran out. <laughs> That's the best way in temptation, just run. <laughs> just get out. And, and uh, she took hold of his uh, clothes, uh, his garment, and falsely accused Joseph to her husband. She said, this, this Hebrew slave came in here and he, and he, and he wanted to force me <clears throat> uh, to have sex. So J Joseph is thrown in jail. What's becoming of his dreams? What's becoming of the purposes of God in his life? He's in jail. He's in jail for years. And then two people t turn up the chief butler and the chief baker. And one morning, the chief butler and baker have a dream and they don't know what it means. So Joseph said to them, he said, tell me your dreams because God can interpret them for you. And so the chief butler, he said, I was dreaming, he said, and I had three bunches of grapes and I was pressing the grapes into Pharaoh's cup. And Joseph said, um, the three bunches are three days. And in three days, uh, Mr. Butler, you are going to be restored to your old job in the palace. Now, when the baker heard the good um, answer, he told his dream. And he said, I had three baskets on my head of baked meats. And the birds came down and they pecked the baskets of the, all this food on my head. Joseph said, the three baskets are three days, but in three days, Pharaoh is going to take away your head from you. You're going to be executed. And so it was. The, the, the one was executed and the other was exalted. And as the butler is leaving prison, Joseph said to him, he said, I'm falsely in prison here. I've done nothing wrong. It's all gone pear-shaped for me. When you get to the palace, would you speak a word to Pharaoh about me? But the Bible says, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So he's languishing in jail. What could be farther from the purposes of God? And yet, Joseph was perfectly in the will of God 
Eventually, as we know the story, Pharaoh had a dream and the butler said, I do remember my faults this day. There's a young man in jail and he can interpret dreams. And then Joseph was exalted to be what we would call the prime minister of all Egypt in charge of everything. Eventually, his brothers came down and he was revealed to them and it all worked out fine. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. He makes all things work together for good. Some things don't feel good at the time. We had, a, I told you this story a time or two, but when we were in, in the Midlands in Beeston, we had a terrible church split. It seemed like World War III had entered our church. <laughs> And it was awful. It was terrible. Every time the phone rang, the, 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 the nerves on the back of my neck all tensed up. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what's going to happen now? Eventually, God brought us wonderfully through. And I found a place of forgiveness for all those who had sort of uh, slandered, slandered you. <laughs> and this kind of thing. And uh, it wasn't nice at the time. But coming through, we found a deeper place in God. All things, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for each one of us. Some is more of a high profile than others, but God has a purpose for your life and my life. And sometimes, if the, if the road gets a little tough at times, you think, where is God? I, 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 when we were going through this trial, I couldn't even pray. I couldn't pray. Other people prayed for me. Felt like God was a long way away. When I came to preach, I was okay. <laughs> but afterwards, I wasn't okay. And but all God worked it out for, for good. And we, ne I, I, we lost a, a, a number of people in, in all this, which I was very upset about, but we lost that. But the atmosphere and the blessing of God, it was absolutely wonderful. And then we moved into a place of real growth and real blessing because God works it all out for us if we are walking in his purposes pleasing to him we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to those who are the called according to his purpose King David writing in Psalm 119 I don't know whether you've read Psalm 119 there's about, uh, about 180 verses or so in it and they all talk about the precepts and laws and statutes of God. There's only one verse, as I remember, that doesn't have those words in them. <clears throat> but one of the verses says this, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Is there any good in suffering? I don't like suffering. And uh, I don't like pain. I'm a... Man, you men feel pain more acutely than women. It is scientifically proven <clears throat> that uh, man flu is, uh, is really pneumonia. <laughs> I don't like pain, but 
David says here, my suffering was good for me. It was good that I went through that trial. It was good that I went through that pain, for it taught me to pay attention to your word. Sometimes in pain, we pray more. In pain, we seek the Lord more in reading the scriptures and in wise counsel. We're asking for guidance and stuff. So then, people. Um, the Apostle Paul said to, to the Philippian believers, he said, uh, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here's Paul, he's in jail he can't do any preaching anywhere. He's, 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 he's restricted, but he's writing. He's writing to these, and he said, it's been good that I've been in this position because some of the brothers have become bold because I am, I am bearing up well under my pain and, and restriction in jail. Um, it's emboldened some of the others, and they're much more... Uh, bold to speak the word of God as well. So he said, it's, it's, it's been a good thing. Um, the safest place that you and I can ever be is in the center of God's will. And there is a verse in the book of James, the, the, um, the very first book, the very first verse in the book of James. And there is a translation called by the man J.B. Phillips, and it's, 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 this is a lovely translation of that verse. And this is what it says. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resist them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. He makes... All things work together for our good to them that love the Lord. And don't waste your pain, but recognize that God is teaching you something through all the circumstances that we go through. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. He makes all things work together for our good. And Joseph eventually said to his brothers, he said, look, he said, brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And things that happen in life, sometimes we think, oh, how is God in all this? Well, God can turn it around for your good and for your blessing. My final one um, uh, of hope is found again in John's letter, uh, epistle at the end, <clears throat> and it's this. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doesn't yet appear, it's not revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he goes on to say, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Jesus is coming again. We don't know when, 
but he's coming. And when he comes, we shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. I remember a missionary coming to our home in, in um, Lancashire, and I was playing with a magnet on the hearth of our, uh, at our house. We always had coal fires in those days. <clears throat> and this missionary, I think he was a missionary, he was a preacher or something, and uh, he buried the iron bits in the ashes of the fire. And he said, watch David, watch the, what happens. And when he put the magnet down, the iron shot up to the magnet. And he said, that's what will happen when Jesus comes. <laughs> we'll be caught up to be with the Lord. And we know that when, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Jesus had a wonderful resurrection body. He could appear and he could eat fish and bread with, it was a, 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 a body that was not restricted to time and space. It, it, it was from virtually from a different di dimension. It was a supernatural body. And we one day are going to have a body like his glorious body. I have ordered one that is a little taller than this particular one. <laughs> I've ordered one with a little bit more hair than this one. <clears throat> but I believe, I believe the body that we will have will be a reflection of the spirit within us. Because the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 15, he's talking about the resurrection. He says, as one star differs from another in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Some stars are brighter than others. We know that some are farther away. But one star is brighter than another. <clears throat> and I believe that we, our new bodies will reflect something of the life of God that we have enjoyed down here. I believe there's a correlation of the two. And I'll find a verse for it sometime. We have this hope, praise God, that one glorious day, when Christ returns, things will be vastly different than they are now. We shall have a body like his glorious body. <clears throat> now, John on the island of Patmos, you might remember, he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos because of preaching the word of God, etc. But he wasn't in prison in his spirit. He had visions and revelations of the Lord. And we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation in, um, in uh, September. But he saw, he had a revelation or an unveiling of the risen, ascended, and glorified Christ. And it's a picture of Jesus. His face was shining like the sun. His eyes were like flames of fire. And he was just absolutely amazing. And when John saw him, even though he had walked with the Jesus for three and a half years upon the earth, when he saw this glorified Savior, he fell at his feet as though dead. And the Lord put his hand on him and raised him up. <clears throat> when we see him, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So my little message to you tonight on, <clears throat> uh, on assurance,
guidance and hope is this. <clears throat> we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Some people say, well, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't go to church. I don't make... Well, I would question that, honestly. I would question that. Because one of the proofs that we are believers is that we want to meet with other brothers and sisters. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And guidance, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who were called according to his purpose. Um, and our hope, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.